Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio, Brad. Yeah, man. I had a great weekend. How about yourself? It was a good one. What? Uh, yeah, we went to the one show. There's really no reason to ask what you did because we both went. Yeah. Uh, had a good time here in Portland, Oregon at the One Moto Show. And, yeah, crazy uh, weekend with the snow and ice and other things. Uh, I was I was pretty impressed that there was quite a few people there showing up, even early on, uh, in comparison to what I thought with the weather. It was, yes, a lot more than I expected showing up. I mean, I got there about an hour earlier than you did, and it was thinner than usual, but definitely not empty. Um, and then by the time we left, it was starting to really pack. And it was it was a madhouse. And I, I know a few people that had bikes in the show and showing pictures and video and talking to him after the fact. It looks like it got even busier as the night went on. So, Oh, yeah. When we left, uh, and we were only there for a few hours because we had, we had other commitments, but it was getting it was getting really tight. I heard others were to the point where you couldn't even hardly walk around. Yeah, it uh, definitely was a bit of a, a busy event. I mean, even halfway through, we got to the point where the radio was loud, the you know the the noise from everyone else was was pretty loud. It was it was difficult to talk. We were yelling at the end of it, so it definitely got to be pretty busy. But uh, had a good time. Got to see a bunch of bikes. Yeah, uh, it was kind of fun. We uh, just for everyone listening, got our brought our uh, kind of mobile recording situation with us, and we're able to get some interviews with a few of the the vendors. Um, got a, a lot of conversations. We'll talk about with some of the uh, the other people that were at the show, both builders and. And those that were just there to, to see all the customs, but uh, kind of have a lot to talk about this week, so it'll be good. Yeah, yeah. I was really surprised at how uh, much of a presence Indian motorcycles had there. I couldn't believe it. They had an awesome display. As you're walking in, they have these big crates with motorcycles in it as you're walking through the gate. And then you go in, and there's just tons of Indian motorcycles everywhere, right yeah. there as you walk in. Now, we're not affiliated in any way with uh, CC Motors or the One Moto Show, but if if you haven't seen the pictures from the show, check out Instagram, uh, check out the One Moto Show. You'll be impressed. Indian had quite a display. Right? Yeah. I, I thought it was amazing. Um, that yeah, that what is it? Four bikes per container, four containers out front, stacked in a pretty ominous way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even I, I saw kind of a glimpse of it on the Instagram page before, and yeah. I was impressed. And being there in person, I, I took more photos than I should have of the same. You know, 16 bikes. Yeah, but they weren't just new bikes. I mean, these bikes had been ridden. You could tell some people had actually ridden them pretty hard. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I think we both were trying to figure out where the uh, the pipe scrapes and peg scrapes were coming from. So it was uh, a good time to kind of look at those bikes and see what Indian had as well. I mean, not just outside, but you go in and, and kind of just to the left of the main door, there's this ramp that's the loading dock for that facility and just full of bikes. I mean, Indian had brought in... I guess full of bikes is wrong, right? I think all they had was Scouts and the new FTR. Yeah. Well, there were some older vintage bikes there as sure. well. But those were from custom builders. Sure. I think Indian themselves only brought Scouts and FTRs. What does that say? I didn't think about this till right now. I, you know, I think they're leaning heavily in what the market is asking for. I, what are customers looking for? They get they know that they've got a lot of hype around the Scout. Then they got this FTR, you know, following the lineage of their flat track bike. And so they've got that out there. There's a lot of hype around that. Sure. Whether it's customer-driven or Indian-driven, 
I mean, it was cool to see their presence and that they came prepared to show you what they have. It's no longer pictures. I mean, now we can actually see in person what some of those packages and custom features that they have as standard options are. I thought it was uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, to your point, one of my favorite parts was seeing all the different uh, styles, all the accessory packages. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Indians calling it, but all the uh, okay. you know the different configurations of the FTR. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I, I haven't been shy about it. I'm sure I've said it here before. That I'm not the biggest fan of the tail section of the FTR. Don't, didn't necessarily find it the prettiest bike as compared to the original prototype pictures and whatnot that we saw before. Thought it was going to be a quite the bike and wasn't overly impressed especially for the money mm-hmm. but seeing the touring package specifically there was something that uh that really enjoyed in fact we'll probably throw in some of the notes here some of the recording from from uh from our interview with kevin there at indian so uh we're here with the indians uh looking at the ftr 1200s uh we've got kevin here and uh what can you tell us about him you know it, it's it's one of the only times i've seen this much hype behind a bike coming out you know it's a true american standard taking on ducati triumph all those guys sure and uh i think it's gonna be a phenomenal bike i think it's awesome that indians here i mean they've got a large presence i mean what 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 got indians so excited about coming to the show you know they're the first motorcycle company in the u.s sure. so you know it, it comes back to the heritage is that you know they want to have that brand and have that culture out there that Indian is really pushing and really excited about you know come here where there's a huge motorcycle demographic in you know Portland this entire area flat tracking was a big thing back in the day with the you know the sidewinders and stuff so you know racing down in Salem yeah they, they just want they just want to have the presence and say hey you know we're here okay uh, so far this morning I mean I, we have a number of FTRs, some bobber or some uh, scouts. What have you seen the most? Uh, the most focus on FTR by far. Is there a specific package? You've got all the custom packages, which is the first time at least I've ever seen them. It's pretty yeah. cool. Is there probably one that's the, gotten more attention? more traction? Yeah, it'd be the, probably the, the the tracker, the the okay. race replica, and that, then the touring model has okay. also been very popular. So yeah, I mean they're beautiful bikes. Uh, I think the accessory kits. We were talking about it earlier. You know, oh, yeah. really gives a look that if you're not into the stock one, do the tail or whatever it is that's been controversial. Yeah, you can change all that and really make it yours. That's the amazing thing with Indians doing even before launch. They want to give everyone the ability to customize the bike the way they they envision it. Yeah. So on that note, you guys have done competitions with the Scout. Is there any desire, or are you guys going to be switching it over to the FTR? Do you think it's going to keep on going as a yearly thing for the Scout? I think it's going to be a continual thing. The Scout is sort of. You know, its own brand in itself. Yeah. You know, the guy who wants a traditional, you know, more of a cruiser style with their feet out front, you know, a sportster feel type of type of bike, that's where the scout's going to feet. And the guy who's, say, coming off a sport bike or, you know, trying to, you know, get into more of a V-twin cruiser or like to Ducatis, but wanted something American-made, you finally have an option. Yeah, the scout's awesome. I've been on it. It's a lot yeah. of fun. It, it's on my list of bikes that I really want to get on. Have you been able to ride any of these FDRs? I haven't, uh, but my GM just got back from the uh, the corporate um, down in Vegas, and he got to ride this at LA, the Vegas Speedway. And he said it's oh, wow. one, one of the best bikes he's ever been on. Um, he's been doing this for 20-plus years. And 
are they trying to get a lot of the people that are talking about it on the bike? I mean, it definitely looks like this one has been ridden. I mean, you look at the exhaust, it's yeah. been hot. They've been out riding it, which is awesome. Oh, yeah, they, they're trying to get everyone, you know, corporate, you know, media, all that. Get, 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 get them the feel for what the bike really is, and, and it just, you know goes from there. And now, are these available to purchase today, or is it pre-order right now? Pre-order right now. Um, they haven't given us an expected delivery date. Just judging by everything, probably into April, early May, sure. right now. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add? Well, you know, if, if you guys want to Indian, come see me at uh, down in Salem. Sounds good, man. Cycle go, Country. Go see Kevin. He'll hook you up. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Thank you. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Thank you. Sounds like that was the big push to bring those bikes was to get some of the accessories in front of customers that have never. I mean, this was the first tour I think he was saying, right? They haven't really been out and toured around. They they're not rideable yet. There's no demos on these bikes. These bikes are Indian, just showing off their bikes. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I mean, even Kevin said that he had not actually been able to get on the bike and ride it, which for me would have been a little bit of a disappointment if I was in his shoes, but. Yeah, that's fair. It's uh, all pretty new. You know, he mentioned his. Uh, I can't remember if that was in the. The recording or not, but that his uh, manager, GM of the place, I think it was, was able to ride one. I'm very impressed. But uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, hasn't gotten around to too many people. But it was cool to see him. I got to say, uh, you know, it's a, the one show, if you don't know what it is, is just a, a mix of all kinds of builds, whether it be apocalyptic looking bikes yeah. or really vintage bikes or complete, you know, original Harleys and whatnot. Just a, a huge mix of older custom bikes generally. A couple of new bikes that are customized but it's not so much accessory packages it's mostly complete modifications right whether that be frame mods tank mods full-on pretty extensive customizations so it was interesting to see indian bring these factory mods to the show and still get a fair amount of, of viewing i think they were pretty popular it was cool being a show you can't touch the bikes it's also that indian let you throw a leg over all the bikes they brought Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was pretty awesome being able to throw my legs over the FTR and then see how it felt. I mean, it definitely had a great feel. I loved how my uh, my butt fit into their seat. And it, it was a pretty awesome stance. Now, I'd much rather be on the road riding it to really get a good feel. That's fair. Feel how the the all of the um, levers and everything else really feel when you're actually out riding it, but... Soon enough, I know that we've been talking about getting out there on one of these demo days and trying it out. And it sounds like these are going to be included in the demo day. That was mentioned that this year, you know, the demo, the, the FTR will definitely be a part of the demos uh, coming this year in 2019. So we'll make sure we get out to one of the dealers. It sounds like out there in Salem, you know, they'll have them there as well as we know Brocal does them often too up in Vancouver. So we'll have to make it to one of those and make sure we get, get some ride time on those. Of course. But, uh, that was cool. Indian did a really good job of uh, of sponsoring the event. You know, I, it's interesting though. I, yeah, you haven't have you been to a one motor show in the past, Brad? No, this was my first time. Okay. I didn't think so. But uh, Harley has sponsored him in the past, and nothing against Harley, but it's been just basically a financial sponsorship and a couple of posters. Uh, they don't oh, really? really bring anything to the show. They don't. I mean, other than helping fund the show and help make it sure it happens, mm-hmm. which. It's debatably better and worse depending on how you look at it, I think. It, it was interesting that there was definitely an Indian one moto show this year. Yeah. I mean, that, that display out front, the bikes right there in the front. I mean, that was the first first set of bikes you saw were basically all Indian, whether that be the customs or the new ones that they brought. 
how did you feel? I mean, for you who hasn't been there in the past, what were your thoughts? Does it still feel like a custom show? Or did that make it feel a little more corporate? I mean, it had a little bit of a corporate feel to it. But I'd say that at least Indian didn't show up with just standard offerings. Even the scouts that they had had some of their custom, if you will, off-the-shelf options. So you could actually see, feel, and sit on each one of those bikes, each one of those scouts that had a different seat, different handlebars, whether it be ape hangers or a little bit hug, you know, hugging the tank a little bit more. So I think in that regard, they did well at actually bringing something that kind of catered to what the event was for. Sure. And then being able to walk around the rest of the event and check out some of those builds. I mean, some were just amazing. You could tell that there was a lot of time in it. I mean, some builds didn't even get finished before this event. It tells you how much the people really care about what they're building. They're not just slapping it together. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I will say, compared to previous years... Just coming from my my standpoint, having been there the last three years running, um, you know, it, it felt definitely a little more corporate. But I, I agree, Indian did a great job with it. It was very industrial feel the way they set it up. Their display inside was very self gratifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as bikes lined up on wheel stands, ready to, you know, have people throw a leg over, and they were new. You know, they were slightly customized, but they were still new bikes. Right. It wasn't like you were looking at full custom Indians or anything like that. Um, but it was impressive. I don't think it, it took, it didn't take over the show. I think that's what I'm trying to say is mm-hmm. it, it's not like Indian showed up and made it the Indian one moto show, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. but it was very clear that they were the main sponsor. Right. Yeah. And you walked in, you see Indians, whether it be yeah. at the gate or into the main building. There was no sure. question who, who sponsored this show this year. Um, yeah, it was good. So what, uh, I mean, we both walked around, we both spent, you know, four or five hours at the show. It was, it was a significant amount of time we spent looking at custom bikes in a relatively small building. It's not a huge show, but it is packed full of bikes. Oh, yes. Um, I was impressed. It's definitely a, a don't-miss show of the season. I mean, it, it is one of the best shows I've been to ever. You know, I've been to the International Motorcycle Show back when it was in Portland. I've been to the Auto Show. We talked about that last week. You know, you go to these kind of little shows, a couple of swap meets. You and I went to a swap meet earlier this year that had a bunch of bikes, but as well, mainly parts. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the latest motors does a little mini show here and there and a, and a street show. But the the one moto show is one that is starting to get a lot of notoriety. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we ran into a builder there. Uh, Blake was with uh, Madhouse Motors, uh, working with Jay over at Madhouse Motors. And we kind of ran into him, chatted with him for a minute. Um, of course, he gave full props to Jay and, and her uh, her vision on the shop, but right. but they had a, an awesome old Indian down uh, down in the main entrance, basically one of the showcase Indian bikes that was available there. All kinds of, I mean, nothing on that was stock. The, no. the fenders, the the seat. Uh, you know, I got a chance afterwards to kind of look at their build pictures on Instagram. It was pretty impressive the the amount of work that maybe we didn't see it. Even analyzing it that we didn't see that they put into that bike to, to make it their own mm-hmm. was uh, was pretty good. But, uh, you know, it was interesting. They came from, I think we were in Boston, right? Yeah. They were out from Boston. So, you know, one of my favorite builders that, that I've always kind of got me into this custom scene was Classified Moto. And, you know, they're out east. A lot of the, the show's gotten way beyond Portland. Uh, you know, 10 right. years ago when it started, it was a very Northwest-centric, you know, build whatever you're working on kind of a show. And for better or worse, it's really become quite the custom show one of the top in the nation if uh 
you know, being from Portland, I have to say that, but I think many people across the country agree. Mm-hmm. And the kind of talent we get at this show now would prove that it's one of the national greatest. In fact, uh, one of the guys here at where we work was talking about um, the bike shed out in England sent a guy out here. Apparently they're doing a whole video blog of it and, and, and a whole thing. I haven't seen any of that, but flew him out to L.A. He rented a bike and rode the coast up to, to Portland. I'm sure he was surprised by the snow oh, we yeah. got this weekend. Yeah. We might have uh, put a little bit of a damper on that trip and the plans, but... Uh, it may have been one of the few bikes that actually uh, <laughs> was parked in bike yeah. parking out front. There, I was really surprised that we had any bikes out there because we had a good amount of snow. There, yeah, there was one, you know, it was a 310 GS... BMW out front when I got there. Being a 310, I assume he didn't come from far. It's not a large bike. Mm-hmm. It's not really a freeway bike. Uh, so I assume he lives in the area. And the snow at the show wasn't terrible. No, it wasn't. But you go, you know, a little further east, and it it got pretty bad pretty quick, at least yeah. when we got there. Sure. I think leaving, it was much better. Um, but I, I agree. It's interesting to see that uh, when we left, yeah, there was more than a handful. Mm-hmm. Right? There was there was a number of bikes out front, and I... Made me a little bit jealous, but there was no way I was bringing it. Where I live, we got almost a foot. So Yeah, yeah, that's where I was. Uh, wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a bad choice. But, uh, yeah, it was neat. So, uh, I mean, any notable bikes or builds? What did you notice at the show? What were some of your favorites? I'd have to say just because I have a KLR250, to see a KLR250 that had been modified to the level it was was really awesome. They had taken some time. It looked like, uh, I mean, they obviously did a lot of work with the frame, changed the seat, uh, got rid of just a lot of the fluff, if you will, that a KLR would typically have. But it was really cool to just see what somebody could do with one of those bikes. I mean, you said at the show that that would be the only KLR250 that you would ever see yourself on, I think, potentially. Yeah. (laughs) It was a good-looking bike. Somebody went through the effort to to make it, you know, a custom uh, look like. A much larger bike. I mean, it looked like an older and larger bike than it was. Yeah, custom front and rear shock. Um, it, it was just, it was just really the control arm was long. Everything was just, just different. They'd done a good job modifying it to a point where it, you could tell it was a KLR, but it definitely was something all new. It was pretty cool. I agree. No, that that was a nice one. Um, you know, I, but that's that's I guess the problem with the show here is it's. You know, everything's so custom. Everything's so well done. Some of those bikes, you know, the attention to detail on some of them, which is phenomenal. You know, custom scamp- stamping and etchings and engine cases that were completely, you know, hand-carved, basically, from a piece of steel. Right. Um, you get some of those bikes that are just absolutely beautiful. The hard part I have is I'm a very practical motor person. I, I was going to say practical, you know, mo- motorcycle guy, but it's cars as well. I'm not... This is the kind of person that would own a vehicle that I wouldn't want to ride on a normal basis. I'm all about having a beautiful beast that maybe you don't come out with all the time, right? You have a daily and then a couple of really nice bikes that maybe you don't ride all the time. But there were a lot of, like, specifically choppers and things out in the show that you just... I don't know if I would ever want to ride. They were just so good looking, mm-hmm. right? I'm not a chopper guy, so maybe that doesn't help. But, uh, you know, so much detail on some of these bikes that it just wasn't worth... For me, it wouldn't be worth riding. Well, a lot of these bikes, let's face it, aren't going to be ridden. There was a few in there that definitely get ridden a lot and people enjoy, but a lot of them are just going to be sitting in somebody's front room. Yeah, that's fair. But it was really cool to see a lot of what they had. I mean, what was your favorite bike? 
Yeah, I think it's clear. My favorite was definitely one of the uh, the classified Moto XSR 900. I've been kind of following that build for a while. Been a fan of classified Moto since uh, I mean, since well before the Daryl bike. Um, But uh, you know, it was a it was a pretty good bike. They uh, they put it together. They'd done kind of a custom 3D printed Andor inlaid. I'm not entirely sure what they did for that tank. Right, be worth looking into, but uh, definitely looked like something that they had done that was yeah, new. It was, a, but but it was really awesome to see that they had taken it to that level. They were trying to fill in some of the gaps, do something that was completely different while maintaining the original XSR, uh, I guess, homage of what they were trying to actually go for. It was really cool. There was a lot of detail in that bike. There was, you know, and they they do some good welding, some lattice work. Obviously, it's all custom rear subframe and, and things like that, but. Uh, it's a. It was definitely a, a bike that I spent more time than I should have. It, it helped solidify my desire for an XSR 900. It's been really interesting for me to watch you as you've been talking about these XSRs. And originally, oh, I just want a bike. You were just saying you just wanted a bike that you could ride. You didn't have to modify very much to. I could see myself doing something like this is the kind of comments that you were making. And, and they're a great bike for that. We saw a couple just different things whether it was just some basic add-ons or or the level that that classified motorbike was at but i could understand i can understand that they're pretty awesome looking bike i'd love to ride one yeah no it was it was fun just the test ride on the bone stock one was what really started getting me in that getting that bug test ride two let's be clear i mean you rode it twice yeah i know we haven't talked too much about that but yeah it's uh once I kind of learned how to ride it after the first test ride, got to spend time in the right power band and in the right location on the throttle the second time, really enjoyed that bike. And seeing some of these customs, you know, it, it's cool because you can do all kinds of little tiny things. But I, I think that's sort of really the first one. I know Roland Sands has one from the 60th anniversary about two, three years ago that was really nice. Um, but that one was a very extensive custom, full fairing. I made a lot of work into that to more than I would probably want to do. Mm-hmm. Because it's not really the style of bike I would want, but this classified moto was very much in the style I would enjoy. Uh, kind of a a bobbed short fender, you know, short short seat. It, it was neat. It was something I would I could see myself riding. I, if I had that bike, I would ride the crap out of it. Let's just put it that way. What was your favorite like detail on that, that bike? bike? I, I do like their exhaust. They do a similar exhaust for most of their bikes, and they get it right every time. Uh, they make it look like they don't try that hard, and maybe they don't, and they're just that good at it. But it always sounds great. I mean, I've heard video of those bi- that bike running and other bikes of theirs, and it always sounds so good. Um, you know, kind of a mesh cover on the exhaust always looks good from the side. But uh, detail-wise, if we're getting really specific, I really liked the little cage they put around the gauge. It was a, yeah. just this nice touch that you wouldn't notice unless you're really looking at the bike. I mean, when it passed by a car... They'd never know, but it's one of those things you'd always see when you look at the gauge and mm-hmm. be so proud of that. It, it, and they should be. I thought it was really, you know, the attention to detail on that bike was really good. Yeah. They didn't really pass up those little opportunities to add their touch because that's kind of what they're good at is, you know, I, they're good at a lot of things. But that's one of the things I see often on their bikes are kind of, you know, tube, bent tube custom accessories mm-hmm. to the different bikes that they've made. So it's kind of nice to see that on there. Um you know, but even then, we looked at we talked to uh, Brad over at Motodemic, um, and they had an XSR 900 that was just customized with 
you know, their light and their number plate and just a handful of things. Not a ton of options. Right. Granted, it was a 60th edition, signed. It was a, a bit of a rare bike. Yeah. But it wasn't like it was, you know, a full custom. It was them showing off their lights. And, that, you know, Motodemic was a vendor there, so it's not like they were trying to show off a ground-up custom. Um, so, you know, no, I'm not throwing shade at all. But it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a nice bike. And I... <laughs> Ironically, before we talked to Brad, we sat staring at that bike for, well, let's clarify. I sat staring at that bike for a good five, ten minutes. It, it was Kind a of pointing out bike. all the items on it and the little tweaks because it wasn't, you know, had all the little accessories without being over the top. Yeah. Um, and it would be kind of your tour or my touring and, and base riding. And that's probably what I would do for a daily rider is make it look very similar to what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, add a few little things here and there to make it mine, but keep it as a daily rider with factory reliability and all the things we've talked about before. Um, but that was a, you know, a, as well as that, it was just a good interview. Yeah, um, we had a great interview with them. With Brad. And so that, that that's a fun one to, to kind of hear what they're doing and what sets them apart from other companies. So so uh, you guys are here at the one show. Yep. But, uh, what are you guys showcasing today? We're showcasing our LED upgrades, our LED conversions, and the stuff we offer for builders, custom brackets, custom headlight housings. Okay. I guess I should have mentioned you're from Motodemic. Yes. And, Brad from uh, Motodemic. Yep. <laughs> no, no worries. We're, we were sitting here oogling your XSR 900. Yeah, I've um, just been looking at them, so, so this is good. Yeah, this is a bike on my short bike, list man. right now. <laughs> it wheelies for days. Uh, yeah, so I've, you I've ride heard. this one. It has been ridden. It has been ridden. <laughs> I mean, it's looking at the tires. Lightly, right? A whole lot. It's Lightly ridden. It's been signed by Kenny Robbins. <laughs> okay. And okay. it's the 60th anniversary, so yeah. it's kind of a special bike. Yeah. So, so what do you ride? Uh, I have a number of bikes. I like riding the Speed Triple we have over here. Okay. Um, I really like riding our 796 Monster that we have. Okay. I love that bike. You have a very specific niche for what you like in bikes. Yes, yes. <laughs> bikes. Yeah. Bit of a hooligan, I assume. Yes, yes. <laughs> so where are you right. based out? Uh, Tracy, California. Okay. 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 You enjoying the snow? Yeah. I grew up in Colorado, so I love okay. seeing the snow at least. Yeah. It was fun driving here today, that's for sure. Yeah, good, okay. good. I'm glad to see you guys here. So uh, what, what do you uh, what do you like? What do you, what do you have you walked around the show? Have you seen yeah. anything you're really excited about? Yeah, I love Aside seeing what the, you guys do. Obviously, I know, right? A, I like seeing our products on customers' bikes that we didn't even know were on their bikes at the show. Sure, that's you're cool pointing to see. them out as you're going. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. yeah, that's cool to see. I love seeing the unique bikes. You know, it's not just a stock bike with some parts on it, which is cool, but it's cool to see fully, fully hand built. Threw away the original frame, came up with a new bike. That's amazing to see. I love seeing yeah. that stuff. It's a lot of work. Bringing back to what you guys do, do you guys, what do you guys have that's kind of new that you guys are working on or is released right now that you guys are really excited about? So the newest stuff that we've been working on, we just recently got our own CNC machine in-house. Sure. It's awesome. a really super advanced machine, and it's we're trying to like follow this path of new, cool shit. Yeah. And the idea is to now start making, making more adapter rings that fit factory headlights. Because there's some really cool factory headlights out there. Like uh, R1200R has an oval headlight that looks really cool. Sure. It's really big, but the output of it is terrible. So we're making a really slick adapter ring that fits into that factory housing. You don't have to change anything. You can use that light on another bike that have a really good light in it. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up, we have an XSR 700 that we're going to kind of go sure. front to back, do a bunch of cool stuff for, spoked wheels, you know, really cool stuff with that bike. Okay. When do you guys, uh, when do you think you'll have that one out? XSR, kind of, XSR 700 products will be releasing this summer. Okay. Um, we have Monster 
versions for the newest monsters coming out this summer as well. Okay. Um, they kind of changed it up on the newest models. Yeah. Um, and the next thing is trying to do a little bit more stuff for the custom builder market, where they're just okay. we have a really good variety of modular systems for things, but I think we want to make some really cool, unique, maybe limited production run parts for builders to use. Right. It looks like you guys take a bike and you guys kind of fit it with some things that you guys really enjoy. Do you? Yep. And then you guys are designing. Do any like sneak peeks or build previews or like to show kind of what yep. you're doing in the process? Absolutely, uh, we love doing that on our Instagram at uh, Motodemic, of course. Yep. Uh, using that, our live story, we'll even sometimes we'll poll customers and say, "Hey, do you like A or B? Uh, do you like A, B, or C? You know, does this look good? Does it look bad?" We, we love doing stuff like that, kind of pushing it into the market and seeing what the customers want. Right. So I guess the only question I had is, what sets your LEDs apart from everybody else? So the huge difference is we're working with an OEM lighting manufacturer, okay. JW Speaker. They make the headlights for Harley, for Triumph. All the new Triumphs have LED lights on them. They make those for them. Okay. Uh, they make lights for McLaren, BMW, big companies. So it's a super premium optic system. It's yeah. more than just a headlight. And these are our original units. Uh, some of the stuff out there you might find is kind of the, the cheaper stuff. A lot of times it's copies of old JW speaker lights, and you kind of don't know what you're getting. Like you may be paying 60 bucks or something that's going to work or not work. Yeah. Um, that's the huge part, huge thing that sets us up for. Yeah, what you pay for. Yeah. It sounds like you have the quality. Do you guys have any guarantee on so all of our parts that we make, we have lifetime warranty on the like the craftsmanship and the, the longevity of them. The lights themselves, JW Speaker backs up with a five-year warranty. Uh, they have a huge lifespan, 50,000 hours, which is over five years on continuously. So a lot of times it's going to outlast the bike, but yeah. if you have any problem in five years, send it in, we send you a new one. You awesome, have a new man. light on your bike, then Almost no questions asked. Awesome. Uh, it's kind of fun to run around and talk to different groups. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was fun to talk to different people and kind of get the the insight of what's going on beyond just you know here's what I'm building, here's what I need, what do you got? Which I think is a lot of the questions they get. Right. Um, but to kind of just get their insight and what they're riding and what these different vendors and you know and people that are working the show, you know what they like to do on the sides. So it's kind of fun to get some of that information. But that, that XSR, yeah, there's two at the show, and I, I spent more time than I should have at both of them. Yeah, so that, just a little bit. But it was all right. It is a great-looking bike. I, I appreciate it as well. I'm pretty sold. I will say, and I realize we're talking about the one show, but lately I've kind of been debating. Uh, so there was the Alaskan. I don't know. Earl, Earl Motors um, had that Alaskan. It was a, a Ducati built oh, into the an one adventure with the bike. painted on, quotation, air quotes, <laughs> Yeah. Painted on dirt and mud. Yeah, that was got, an interesting conversation that was going on as a sidebar during that viewing. A couple of gentlemen debating whether it was painted or actually muddy. Uh, whether it was clearly actually muddy. I mean, no doubt. I walked away. I had to. I had to. <laughs> but, you know, looking at a bike like that, there was a, the Harley 883 uh, that was adventure ready. In fact, looked like it had all the. Oh, that was cool. All yeah. the times, race times for each, uh, each leg of the race. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of those adventure bikes that are a little non-typical, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it got me thinking uh, the fun of an adventure bike, you know, it yeah. is the problem with having a perfectly functional bike that you're thinking of replacing is 
that because my bike works, I, there's so many options out there, man. Like those adventure bikes would be a riot. It'd be fun to go, you know, 300 miles east and then just tear up down a dirt road for three days. Yeah, even though it's awesome to find a bike that you really love, I think it would be great to just ride different bikes. You got it. Almost seems like there would be so much that you would learn and appreciate just by learning and riding a different bike and yeah. going to the area that it's really best suited for. Whether that be dirt road, a little bit of both, whatever the case may be, in riding position, see what each manufacturer is doing. So I hope we uh, we can do that a little bit. But yeah, it'd be nice to 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 get you know a little bit more hands on experience with some, especially some of these newer bikes. Mm-hmm. Really see, you know, that, that's my biggest issue right now with the XSR. To your point of riding these different bikes. Again, we're already off topic of the one moto show, but that seems to be how we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> two of us can't stay on a topic to save our lives, but uh, we, you know, looking at those, you know, the XSR, you can only find new new options. You look at the, you know, even the used market, they're lightly used, and they're just about the same price as a new one that you can find a, a new old stock sitting in a dealer. Right. You know, and your depreciation on that isn't crazy, but it's more than if I bought a, you know, 2012 tiger 800 or a 2012 super 10 you know there's these adventure bikes i can get that are a little older that you know if i turn around and i ride the crap out of it for a year and sell it next year my loss is basically the taxes paid you know it's not a lot of loss same with you know i was talking about the fc07 with you earlier that you know buy an fc07 for pennies on the dollar and if you know if it's not big enough or not really the bike i want then i'm out a couple hundred bucks in taxes and sell it and move on so there's there's a certain temptation to kind of start, you know, doing the two year bike or stop buying nicer newer bikes and buy a bike that's already kind of reached that ten thousand mile mark to where I can get it cheap and just sell it cheap and not care and yeah. move on. And you can find a lot of awesome bikes. I mean, the FZ07 we were looking at it looks like you can get into one for under five thousand dollars, but between yeah. five to ten thousand dollars, you get a great assortment of different bikes that you can jump on. Love on, and then if you really wanted to, you could sell it the next year, and you're not out a whole lot. I mean, we even talked about that a little bit at the show. That you know, there, some of those bikes you look at, and you're like, the KLR was a great example. The initial '88, I think it was some, late '80s KLR, whatever yeah. it, you know, whatever I think it was '84, it was. but that's fine. Nonetheless, you know, you you could buy that in somewhat rough condition because they replaced everything that would be rough, right? Yeah. All the plastics, fenders, tank, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, you can find one for under a grand. Put a couple thousand dollars in customization that you've done that work yourself, and for three grand, you have a beautiful bike. So it's hard to, you know, you look at bikes like that, and it's hard to justify the need for a, a brand new bike by any means. And that's kind of my, my struggle with the XSR is, do I need a new bike? That's about the only option? Probably not. You know, it might be worth just picking something else that would be fun, and if it's not exactly the bike, turn around and get something else later. Sure. So we'll see what happens there, but... You know, other than the XSR, there you know a ton of bikes at the show that were that were a lot of fun. Back to the subject, they <laughs> they had all kinds of, of options for for different builds. Harley had a pretty good showing, especially upstairs. Yeah, I um, did. I don't know my thoughts on the chopper market, big sissy bars, and giant rims are, are not necessarily my style of bike, but I can appreciate the attention to detail that all of those bikes had. Um, absolutely beautiful. Oh, you were talking about the Indian. I was trying to think about what I... You, you sparked an interest earlier about how Indian took the Scouts and added a bunch of custom items. Right. They let, we kind of mentioned they let us sit on those bikes, and they had a Scout with uh, with hangers. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I, that I've ever... I don't know if you've had that opportunity, but I've never... 
actually sat down and held a set of ape hanger bars. Um, and they weren't ridiculous ape hangers. They were definitely some form of Indians stock available ape hangers. So like perfectly mid, legal. Mid-rise ones, I guess. I, I've, I've ridden a, a 76 Shovelhead with oh. full ape hangers on it. And it's a fun experience. It's is different. It? It, is, it is. It's different. It's fun. I don't know. Just sitting on it, it wasn't for me. I immediately was like, this This doesn't work. Yeah. Is it the riding position that I love? Probably not. But for just cruising around, it's just cool to lay back and just go. It's, I don't know. I can't, I can't diss it. Okay. Because I can understand it. And I feel like i got to ride one. Yeah. Just As a matter of fact, my father-in-law has a 90s... Uh, I think it's a uh, it's another Harley Davidson. I'll probably butch it, but I think it's like a fat tail. And he's gone and put ape hangers on it recently, so it's a big thing for those bikes. Can't 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 say anything negative about it. Teach their own. You want to ride in that position. That's the beautiful thing about motorcycles is you can modify it however you want it. Yeah, that's fair. That's the kind of show we were at. I was so. just gonna say there was a ton of bikes with all kinds of bars. I mean, we yeah. saw some that <laughs> yeah. you were basically a hand width apart between the two. Two grips. I don't. Yeah. What would that be like? It'd be interesting to ride it just because. I can't imagine that being controllable. At that point, that bike has got to be so squirrely. I can't <laughs> even imagine. But it was, it was interesting to see all these guys. You know, everybody makes what they want. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things I love about the one show every year is a couple of guys at work that didn't go were asking, you know, how was it? And that's usually my comment is, you know, it's the same show, but a different year. And I think that's what's so fun is it's always the same. It's whatever you built that you love. Yeah. Nobody's showing up with, you know, something, I guess, debatably so. One of my favorite, that that XSR by Classified is something that would, would be sellable and would be built to be sold and make money and, and be a show bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a number of choppers, I guess, same way. Very expensive paint jobs and chrome everything and right. polished and pristine. But the vast majority of the bikes there are somebody's passion. Right? It's not like it's people building, you know, their version of OCC, right? Mm-hmm. There, it's not this chopper that they expect to market and sell. It's like, I had all this crap in my garage and I saw a motorcycle sitting in that box. You know, I looked at it all and saw a motorcycle in my brain and I took it all down and started welding crap together. And now I got a bike that is me. Mm-hmm. You look at this bike, I don't have to put my name on it. You know, this is me. It's what I wanted. It's how I wanted it. And so it's a, I think it's the thing I love about the One Moto Show is it's really builders being themselves. I mean, even up top, uh, I've got a buddy named Marty that had a a nice Triumph Thruxton that was one of two made for the Thruxton Cup race series. Um, I know he races it uh, and I know he races other Thruxton as well, Um, but it's really, it's a rare bike. It's a special bike. And if you didn't know that, if you didn't have all the the paperwork for it to show that it was a rare and special bike, you'd think it was just somebody's cool Thruxton that was all them. Right. Right. It had a few little notches that were definitely from him, a couple stickers and emblems and things that he put on to make it his bike. But, uh, you know, it's what he loves. And the One Moto Show, you know, there's, according to them, it is all based on a random selection. Everybody submits what they want to bring, and they randomly select entrants. Oh, really? So in the past, British Customs is a, a triumph. You know, I, I have my scrambler, so I followed British Customs, have a few of their parts on the bike. You know, they've had a handful of bikes there, and I didn't see anything from them this year. Okay. And I might have missed it, but 
Yeah, it started getting a little busy the last yeah. hour we were there. But there's these builders that, you know, that show up, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be there every year. And it could be just, you know, Bob so-and-so down the road that built this 1960 Husqvarna with a with a chainsaw on the front end and wanted to bring it in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all kinds of bikes like that that are just somebody's passion that they went and spent a full year building or two uh there was one we looked at it it was the bike that had the i don't want to throw shade had a paint job it was blue green and copper oh okay and had some some custom pinstriping right i know you you and i looked at it had some custom pinstriping right there by the barber we'll call it that yeah by the barber um and i stumbled upon after the show i kind of was browsing instagram to see what everybody else thought of the show i stumbled upon the builder for that bike okay and it looks like it's a two-year passion project for that person hmm. uh, was something that they loved was something that they put a lot of effort into and really spent time on yeah um so i thought that was really cool uh you know and it was something that that about that show that i've always loved and it's always encouraged me to want to do something for that show and it was really fun to walk the halls with you brad of the show because you're kind of a jerk when it comes to attention to detail. <laughs> <laughs> you were very quick to point out things that were less than perfect. I, well, I, I'm at a show and we're talking to uh, builders showcasing their work and I can walk around the bike and I'm I, they and stood I, out. My first year, what, four years ago, I was the same way. That like I thought it was this pristine, right? I've been to car shows. I've been to hot rod shows. Yeah. And it is like somebody spent $200,000 on a paint job. Right. Right. So it better be the best paint I have ever seen. Right. But you're out, you know, and I think I was the same way that year. And so I kind of breezed through a lot of the bikes. I'm like, ah, this is, it's like they pulled it out of their barn. Ha, huh, this looks unfinished. Yeah. Right. These things that, you know, I, I didn't respect the passion of it. Mm-hmm. I think you kind of came in that way this year and you're like, ah, oh, this is great, but it looks like somebody built it in the shop in their backyard. Because some of them are that way. Thanks for calling me out. Alex. I'm just saying. I thought it was funny. <laughs> it was really interesting. And to maybe the theme of the show and what it wants to encourage in the motorcycle community is that's a good thing that we can see those flaws. Because it really encouraged me to kind of look at some oh, of this I stuff. I would agree. Yeah, we talked like, about that a little bit. Yeah, I could do this. Yeah. I think I might be able to do, you know, I, I myself might be able to do a similar paint job. Probably not in the same details because I've never done it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the same type of idea on how to do that decal. Or how to do, you know, that that weld work. Or how to do this lighting setup that's clearly custom. Mm-hmm. I can find all that and wire it up. I can figure this out. You know, probably not in the same time frame. Some of these builders, you know, are, are the professional builders. And they can throw these bikes together in two weeks. And that, I know I can't keep up with that. Sure. But if I had two years, could I put up a fight? Possibly. Yeah. Right? Where I have time to learn these skills that they already have. Mm-hmm. But you see that, you know, these, some of them are. Some of them are incredibly professional. Would I be able to lay out a tank like classified motos if I were laying out a plastic or fiberglass tank? No. Yeah. My first run would require far too much CNC work that I don't have the capability to do. But, you know, can I airbrush a tank after I had three or four tries at it and do a pretty good job? Possibly. Yeah. You know, I've got an airbrush and I've got a little bit of experience. Could I actually practice for more than once a year? And yeah. get good enough to have a bike that's showable at a show like that? I think I could. Yeah. And maybe that's me being overly optimistic and pompous. But, you know, but it, it does. It incur- You see these flaws in these bikes that are not perfect. Right. And are not, you know. Oh, they're functional. I think a lot of them, even though they may not have been. Bikes. 
amazing attention to detail to welds and everything else, I, I, I'm sure that all of them were writable and felt good and that felt good for the person that built it especially and that I was being a little nitpicky, but, but it did make, I agree. It made me feel like, okay, so if I put something together and I'm in the process of learning, I'm not going to be at this level. This is still better than what I can do, but it's fun. So that, it was really cool. I, I just, yeah, both for better or worse, I, you know, I want to point out that you were being a bit harsh. Yeah. But it was encouraging to me to be like, oh, yeah, I could probably pull that off. I could make a similar bracket to this. I could figure that out. So it's it's an interesting thing. And I think that's a lot of the point of the show. Sure. Is they're trying to, you know, they want people that bring their passion projects. They're not looking for, that's why it's a random draw. Right. So we could submit right. a you project could submit that we were working project on. it is. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been working on a couple of bikes. I'm sure we've mentioned it before. Yeah. Between my JT1 and, and I've got an IT175 as well. The JT1 was, you know, slated to get done a lot sooner. Yeah. And would have been fun to put into something like this, but there's always next year, and that's kind of going to be the last time I'm going to allow myself to say that. Yeah. Kind of back on the rebuild. And, I'm looking and forward to it. And it really encourages it. me to put yeah. it in next year's show, or at least try. Yeah. Submit a, you know, submit a request, and if I don't get picked, I don't get picked. But if I do, cool, I get to be a part of that. Yeah, that's cool. Because it is definitely watching on Instagram some buddies that had bikes there and, and whatnot. It's, it's a very community-based situation, right? People show up the day early that are builders. It's kind of a no fans or, you know, no crowd day or, or moments within the day that they get to kind of have that moment with the bikes, with other builders and create and build that community. So it's it's kind of an encouraging desire to, to get into that. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Something pretty neat to, to I guess, take away from, from a show like this where it's not the International Motorcycle Show full of new, shiny, perfect bikes. On that note, I mean, what was something that was there showcase that kind of surprised you? Whether it be a build or just somebody there with a stock motorcycle. That's a good question, Brad. For me, the cake. The cake electric bike. Okay. I was just really surprised to see that. We were both looking at it. We're going, ah, this doesn't look like a normal motorcycle. It's an electric, we can tell. But it's definitely... Undersized, we thought initially maybe it was a little heavy, but it was turned out it was really light. Did you watch the video that I uh, or did you go to that I, website? I didn't. They look like they can actually go out and you can have fun with them. I was surprised. I just surprised to see them. I mean, Zero was there. I mean, definitely stock. There was a couple other builders that were electric. It piqued my interest as to whether or not people are actually going to start including electric bikes in this kind of a, of an event. Well, I know the there was an Atlas motor. Uh, that was just basically a frame with the drivetrain and a seat. Yes. Uh, and it actually won an award this year. Oh, did I, it? I didn't, I didn't get into the details of what it won, but I saw come Sunday night that they were, you know, show, displaying some of their pictures with them holding one of the awards. There was There's a handful of awards that go out. Right. I don't know what it was for, but um, I, I think that's the case. I think you're going to see a lot more custom electric builds. Yeah. I think that was really surprising. We could tell that they definitely weren't done with the build, but... That they had it there and that and you hit, could see a lot of great details in what they had. Yeah. I'd hate to be wrong on that. Maybe that was the end goal. It looked like they were looking to, to go further. That looked kind of bare frame. But they did, I, you know, I know that they made a full custom frame, full custom swing arm. I mean, that was beyond the battery, electric motor, and, you know, final drive. That was 100% custom. Sure. I mean, nothing on that bike was factory except the drivetrain. 
Yeah, I would have loved so, to have been able to get an interview with him, but he was pretty busy. He was actually, it looked like one yeah, of the owners or the was there with it, with the drawing in his hand, yeah. and talking to people that were excited about it, but we didn't get the opportunity to talk yeah, to it him. Got, it got a little loud, but... Uh, but it was uh, it was an interesting bike to see, and there was you know a handful of rooms where there was a couple, including the cake bike that we were looking at, and that zero that was pretty close to them. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, with uh, with one of the conversations we had uh, with some builders, that it got interesting about the future of electric motorcycles. Right. Um, we kind of brought up, of course, we were looking at a zero when this conversation occurred, but uh, you know brought up the live wire and a few other options, and it. It was an interesting mixed feeling I got from him that uh, you know that that the electric bikes he's into the electrics the torque is amazing is a riot to drive still likes noise and probably will always have some noisy bike in the garage sure, yeah but that there's really no harm in having one and in fact it's a it's a, an amazingly fun ride but didn't seem overly excited about the live wire yeah yeah I, yeah, I don't know what but... it was about the live wire that rubbed him the wrong way but. He was not excited about owning a live wire in any way, or even that it was coming out. It seems like he was against Harley Davidson. It did feel a little bit anti As soon as I brought it up, because all I wanted to ask him was (laughs) them incorporating a sound with the live wire, and I could see him cringe at the thought of (laughs) Harley Davidson when I first brought it up. Yeah, and his comment regarding the sound that uh, Harley Davidson is trying to emulate with the motor in that is that he would want it to be an on-off switch. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, that was, which is interesting. I have heard others that have ridden them, and not anybody I know personally, but I have heard reviews of the electric bikes that that is kind of a similar thought, that it's both good and bad, that it's strange and weird and in traffic, very uncomfortable to be silent. Yeah. But once you hit open road and you're, it's just you, that when it's silent, it is like this euphoric feeling of you, you have the whole feel and fun of the bike. And it's just this, you're also part of everything around you. You're not yeah. making a bunch of noise. You are becoming one with your environment rather than disrupting your environment. Yeah. Which I, I can understand. There are times on some of the trips I've been on that you kind of, you're not going fast. You're not revving it out. You're not really making loud noise with your bike. But you kind of hit this moment where you're just smoothly cruising, mm-hmm. you know, and, and hitting corners and whatever it is that you just kind of in the moment so much. That if it were silence and just the sound of the road and the trees going by, I can see that enhancing that. I understand what he's saying, I guess, is that, you know, some of that electric lack of noise it could be beneficial. Whereas in traffic, I like having a loud bike. It right. makes me feel better. Again, I realize there is a ton of debate that loud pipes save lives. Yeah. But I'm 100% for that idea. Yeah. Because I have more than once seen somebody doing something stupid hit the throttle just a little bit harder and watch them stop doing something stupid whether they saw me or not. Right. Because, oh, there's a really loud thing next to me. There must be somebody there. Right. You know, whether that's real or just me, maybe they saw me. But I have to assume yeah. that the that split second between me making more noise and them not doing it anymore has a correlation. Sure. You know, so I think it's, it's, it's a real thing. That's my only fear. I think commuting on an electric bike would take a lot of getting used to and a lot... More defensive driving. Maybe that's better. I mean, as I say that, obviously I pause there. Yeah. It, you know, maybe it means that we're, you know, less of a jerk on the road because a lot of people have a bad feeling about motor, right? Feel like all the motorcyclists are hooligans and are going too fast and are doing whatever. But usually it's just us being, you know, aggressively protective so sure. that we have control over our environment. But, you know, maybe you end up driving more like the elect, you know, a Prius or whatnot where you want to be 
little slower and put yourself in a safe spot and kind of stay with traffic and not try to get by anybody because you don't want them to not see you. I don't know. Maybe it changes the mode and makes it a little more relaxed ride and Mm -hmm. you're not so worried about getting places quicker or having that fun time. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's still, I got to have it at a price point that makes sense for a commuter and I need to have some range. I mean, my commute is 17 miles each way and I've got some elevation changes. I think a lot of the bikes that are out right now could do it, but I still got to be able to charge or work. It's got to make sense for me and I think we're still going into that and I I really can't get excited about some of the bikes that we currently, electric bikes that we have out right now. So I'm excited to see what comes up in the future. Just just an interesting footnote to the event that I was actually seeing some modern things, if you will call an electric bike modern, at, at the event being incorporated into the builds. Yeah, that's fair. And I know we've got a, a zero dealer over, uh, you know, over by... Uh, over at Two Stroke Coffee over in St. John's. So okay, it, sure. It would be interesting to, uh, I'm sure they do a demo at least once a year. Interesting to become a part of that and see if we can get some yeah, bike Because I've not been on an electric bike. I would be yeah. curious whether the, uh, you know, the instant torque outweighs any of the negatives. And I, I imagine it would. seems like reviews say that it would based on everything I've read. Mm-hmm. Now, the price point is what becomes a different thing. But I think that's kind of our thing now. I was thinking about this the other day. That a lot of what we talk about, I find, that we love every bike but our whether it's a bike we would own or not is definitely based on price. Well, sure. So I, I hope anybody that that listens and enjoys this realizes that we're just kind of regular guys. And if you want reviews on bikes based on whether they make sense price wise, we're the guys to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> whether that's the best. Because if you want to know our opinion, ignoring price, we like most every bike. Yeah. Have, you know, we'll, we'll nitpick and get real serious. But at the end, whether we'd own one or not is often based on. The affordability. I mean, the FTR is one of those that we've talked about many times. That yeah, yeah. Optioned out. I think Kevin option. mentioned that some of those were at tw- closing in at twenty thousand dollars. Thinking, how many bikes can I buy at that price? And for five grand, you can have a handful of bikes that are not far off from the performance level of that. Mm-hmm. Now, the performance and comfort and rideability, and put it all together, you start to hit a different class. And so, it, it's an interesting game to play. I realize that there's there's a market for that, and there are many people that are going to buy the crap out of that bike. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. Due to price, I think both of us will be slow to move into that market. It better be the best bike you can money can buy. Right. And I'm curious how the depreciation will work on that bike. Mm-hmm. But the point of this is to talk more about the uh, customs of the show, not necessarily the new bikes. Um but we did have an opportunity as well to... Uh, we went around with some of the vendors as mentioned. We talked to the... Western Power Sports distributor. Yes. Um, and he was there basically repping the Shinko tires, mm-hmm. which I have actually been looking at lately. So that was, that was interesting to talk to him a little bit about that. I had a table of some other items as well that they were repping. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting to, you know, I talked to him a little bit before we, we interviewed him just about some of the options for, for Shinko tires for our bike or for my bike. Um, but it was interesting to hear kind of some of this stuff and, and we'll, uh, we'll play that. I'm Rusty. 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 Nice to meet you. Addison. Cool. Now you're here with Shinko. Yeah. So I work for Western Power Sports. We're the United States distributor for Shinko. Okay. And then Hard Drive Brand is our B-Twin brand specifically. Okay. Sell as well. I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. yep. That's awesome. So, uh, I mean, what are you seeing people looking at? What are the questions you're getting? 
We're in the Northwest. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people here like the choppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely saw a lot of choppers. Uh, I, it, this show is really interesting to me because you see a lot of different people. So I actually get a lot of questions about off-road bikes and dual sports. <laughs> and uh, it seems like most guys here have more than one style of bike. Sure. So I'm like, hey, what kind of bike do you have? And yeah. they're like, I have a CB and a KTM and a whatever, right? So yeah. it's a good mix. But yeah, a lot of choppers trying to promote some of the vintage product that we sell in our Shinko product line. Okay. People don't realize we have we have some newer stuff, 21-inch narrow front wheel uh, tires, okay. uh, some vintage-looking uh, rears. I think people don't realize the variety that we have in our product line for Shinko and Fair other products we sell. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got your display here for Shinkos and... Obviously, that's a pretty well-known brand. You've got a few other items here. Mm-hmm. It's like that's from Western Power yep. Sports. You've yep. got all the other items. Yep, all product we sell through Western. We distribute, uh, of course, Fly, ODI, Anti Gravity, Brass Balls, uh, Flow Motorsports, uh, West Eagles, a brand that we specifically distribute in the U.S. out of Japan. Okay. Uh, and then our own line of parts. Of course, Are well. you based out of the Portland area? Yeah, then? Portland, okay. Southwest Washington, okay. cool. territory manager. So yeah, you probably. I mean, most of the dealerships I've ever been to carry. Uh-huh. Western Power Sports, I assume that's the case. Pretty much every dealer yeah. okay. sells Western Power Sports products. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody I've talked to, that's the best best price for tires from you guys for them. Yeah. yeah. And of course, that feeds down to the customer. Yeah. So but, that's a win. Yeah. Most customers probably don't realize the amount of things they buy from us. We sell oil to <laughs> air, oil filters, air filters, sure. I mean, pretty much everything. You know, it, our catalog's over 2,000 pages by brand. So we have an off road specific catalog, an ATV specific catalog. V-Twin specific catalog, apparel catalog, okay. uh, all available. You can look at them. Regular customers can look at them on our website. That was going to be my question. We That's fully accessible to everybody, the catalog. Yes, and when you catalog. want it, you go to your local dealer, tell yes. them the item number, and they can have it there in a week. Yes, they can have it there typically next day in our territory. Perfect. Yeah, before awesome. 2 o'clock. Yeah. Awesome, man. Is yeah. there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, just my, my biggest thing is support our local dealers. Awesome. Um, that's my biggest thing. I, I agree. try to tell customers all, all day here. They're like, where do I buy this? Whoever your local dealer is can get anything that you see in my booth uh, most of the time next or two days away. So go support your local dealer. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, Rusty. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really love, he kind of finished just talking about supporting local dealers. And we talked about it just a minute ago in here that that it's interesting that this show kind of brings out the passion of your local builds. Right. And of your, you can do it on your own and you can do, you can make your bike what you want. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that our big distributor out here is not trying to push, you know, direct sales through them or any online sale they want you to go to your local dealer to get that you know to get those parts um to kind of support the local dealers support the local shops all those things and i, and I think that's really important to do i, I think yeah. i kind of agree with them or i wholeheartedly agree with them on that that uh, you know a lot of these if you look at a lot of these builders they probably have their own shops um i know jay of of madhouse motors was uh, you know they they've got a bit of it's it's a shop they do customs but they have a shop they do storage in the winter mm-hmm. you know it's it's a legitimate shop out there and many of these are CC motorcycles has a bunch of customs here puts on the show you know that's what who does the one show um, you know it's it's a motorcycle shop in the end right you take your bike to have it serviced you buy a new KTM from them you mm-hmm. can buy a custom from them whatever you want but their bread and butter at the end of the day is servicing the bikes that come into the shop for work. Right, they're not making a living on, you know, ten customs a year, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it was an interesting point that I think is really important to to maybe reiterate that, you know, as we're doing these builds and as you're you're working on stuff to to support your local dealers, support your local shop, um, whoever it is that maybe helps support you back, right? I think everybody's had a bad 
situation at a dealership, a bad experience. Right. Um, so I don't necessarily mean think that that means that we need to go ahead and support every dealer or every shop. Mm-hmm. But most cities have two or three shops with impressive, uh, impressive uh, mechanics and technicians that can that can do all that work and really really help you get your bike to where you want, whether it be get the right parts or talk to you about those parts. They've got a lot more experience than the, the average person. So I know uh, in Washougal, there's Motoco Washougal's place I've gone. It's uh, okay. Sunny works or owns the place there and has been a good guy to work with just to kind of figure out what I need for the bike. And I haven't, you know, I've been slow moving on a lot of my builds, but haven't used a ton of that yet, but have bought a number of my small components and things just to kind of tweak and get ready for the full build from that shop. And it's nice to have somebody that has that accessibility as well as, you know, somebody to bounce those ideas off of and kind of give you that experience. So right. I think that's an important comment to, to maybe uphold that, that we got from our conversation with, you know, the big Pacific Northwest or the whole Northwest, you know, Western Power Sports distributor. That that was their big message, or at least his big message. Let's clarify that, uh, that Rusty said this. I don't know if that's all of Western Power Sports, but I don't want to get Rusty in trouble. But we had a good conversation. He was a good yeah, guy. Yeah, so. I was surprised that you actually were complimenting him on his motorcycle. You didn't know that yeah. was his bike at the time, but he had a Harley Davidson there that he'd had rigged up with some with some custom parts. You could tell he spent some time setting it up how he wanted. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a good bike. I thought it was their display bike, and I was pointing out a handful of, you know, it was a it definitely a road Harley, uh, but it had a few little. You know, nods to the off-road community that I had never seen. You know, yeah. off-road floorboards. I thought that was pretty cool. Looked like yeah. big off-road pegs. Yeah, a couple of things that I was like, "That's really cool." And then you know, we find out after talking to him that turns out it's his bike. So yeah. there might be a perk to working for the the Northwest distributors. Well, I'm sure he gets a good deal. When I worked at a parts store, you end up just <laughs> oh, that would be good. I'll just charge that against my account. <laughs> <laughs> As Rusty mentioned, you get your check back, and you're like, oh, well, I didn't get much money this month, but uh, the bike looks great, you know? Yeah, I'm sure that happens more than it should. That's one of the reasons I can't switch industries. My wife would never have it. It would uh, it would ruin us. Yeah. If I, if I had the opportunity to just buy stuff without it showing up on an account, I'd be in big trouble. But uh, we also talked about ape hangers and other things, and... One of the, the last people that we talked to that I think is worth discussing here between us is uh, we talked to one of the PR guys for Twisted Road. Yes. And we both kind of looked at Twisted Road and, what is it, uh, Eagle Rider, mm-hmm. a couple of these rental facilities. But Twisted Road is kind of basically the, it's not really Uber because you use it on your own and nobody drives you around like a total weird experience. You said something like maybe an Airbnb Yeah, kind of like Airbnb where you just get to rent somebody else's bike for whatever price that, you know. He goes over it in the interview and you guys can listen to that here at the end of the show. Um, but it was an interesting idea or mention that he had that it really could help you. And I don't remember if we talked about this before or after we were recording with him. But it's something that could really help you test out a bike. Or an accessory to a bike, because a lot of them are optioned out. It's somebody's yeah. personal bike. They built it to what they want, mm-hmm. and then they want to either get a little income from it, or maybe they just want to share it, whatever it is. Um, but you can ride that bike for a day or two, however long you want to rent it. And I thought it was interesting, because you know, I've seen in the Northwest, I know that it exists, and there's a handful of bikes. There's not a ton out here, and that was more than a year ago, probably, that I looked, so I'm sure it's increased. Um, but there was a scrambler, you know, and at that point I had already bought my scrambler, but definitely had the thought looking at it that, man, it would have been interesting to rent that for a day, 
ride it around Portland and get a 100% feel if this is the bike for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and with the opportunity to have so many different kinds of bikes, when I've looked at it, there's older bikes, newer bikes, uh, you know, a lot of different options to try out bikes that that you really couldn't without jumping on one, right? When you go test ride a used bike from a Craigslist ad or from a Facebook ad, generally you're not going to be able to go jump on it. Most people are smart enough to know not to just hand you the keys are you going to take cash with you? And I, I'm not going to go through all that if I just want to go see what a what a, what a Nighthawk feels like if I'm riding it, right? Yeah. But you could potentially do that through Twisted Road, which was which was pretty cool. It was uh, it was it was pretty great talking to them, seeing kind of what they have going on, getting a little bit more information on you know how insurance and other things work out through them. I, I still think it's a viable option if I was going to be looking at spending a larger mon- amount of money than what I would or you know see at a dealership if I was going to go used or if I was going to go and spend $15,000 or more I think that I would want to make sure that it's what I really want at that point so would you find yourself because a lot of them are right are not necessarily newer bikes right. do you think you would use something more like Eagle Rider or I mean Eagle Rider is just the big one that comes up but a lot of the dealerships will rent Harley dealers most of them will have some association with the rental facility mm-hmm. whether it be Eagle Rider or their own thing um, I was actually talking to a guy here at work that uh, was in Hawaii for a couple of days and rented uh, an FZ07 oh okay so that's why I mentioned FC07 a minute ago because I recently just today had a conversation with someone that rode one um, just for a day in Hawaii to ride around the island. Um, but what do you think is a more viable solution? Do you think it's more of the uh, you know the new bike from a a Eagle Rider equivalent, or is it worth doing kind of some of these ride share bike situations? What, what would you see yourself doing, Brad? Oh, I could see myself. I'd be looking at all the options, but that's just how I am. I'm going to be seeing how much my overall cost is going to be for it. Is it most close to what it is? comes back to cost with us. I know. Well, well, you know, if you're going to go rent something, <laughs> you want to make sure what's the what's the insurance going to be like? What What is it going to cost me out of pocket? Am I going to be riding exactly what I want, or is it going to be a little bit different? And then checking out the different options and what's kind of available through each of them. Maybe the area that I'm in, do I want to do it here? Do I want to go and travel somewhere else? Yeah, going to Hawaii and renting a bike sounds like a lot of fun, but probably isn't going to be on my list of must-dos anytime soon. So I think it just depends. I like that there's different options. I'm kind of curious to see how the market's going to take this because, I mean, Twisted Road said that they've been started since, what, sometime in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, I mean, they've been around for a little while, and he said there's been, you know, pretty good growth. So... I'd be interested in checking it out. It would be an interesting, yeah, an interesting setup. I know they kind of vet the similar Airbnb, vet everybody, riders and... and, uh, They said they rate everybody. Yeah, riders and renters. I mean, both sides of the the coin get get rated and checked and make sure that everybody that's renting has an endorsement and insurance. I think you have to have your own insurance on that one. I don't think think your insurance or their insurance covers you. Um, which seems strange. I don't know how that works with motorcycle insurance. So it seems like there's a few things you'd, we'd have to look into before doing something like that. Definitely for like a travel, right? If we're going across country or heading to, you know, somewhere to just spend a week or do a trip or whatever it is and renting a bike instead of a car would be more fun. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's an interesting option. I thought it was interesting to see them there with, uh, with some of the other vendors. It wasn't necessarily... I mean, that room was more apparel and... 
It was a great location as far as traffic and being by the band, especially. Yeah. So there was going to be a lot of people around them, seeing them, and potentially going over and talking to them. But yeah, when when we showed up, I mean, I'd been we'd been it'd been open for a few hours by the time we stopped by there, and there were still quite a few places because of the snow. I'm assuming that didn't have a person manning the area, so it was still covered up. That's true. Yeah, we did have a number of but, spots. But they were there. They were excited. He was pumped to talk to us. So I, I thought that was really cool that he was excited about what he was doing. We were definitely talking to the right guy. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. But uh, but it was pretty cool. I'll, I'll keep him in mind if I'm out and trying to see what I want for a next bike. I remember uh, he did give us, a, it should be on the recording, but he did give us a, a a coupon code as well. So Yeah. At the end of that, if you yeah, listen, he wouldn't if let you me listen to the, the end of the episode, you get that coupon code for uh, Twisted Road. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he did take the card back, but for, but said the coupon code, so you got to listen. Yeah. We don't have any copies of that or any proof that it's real, but we're telling you it is. Yeah. <laughs> forgot that he took the card back from Yeah, him. I was trying to grab it. He didn't, he, he didn't let me take it. Maybe he was reading it. I don't know, but he put it back in the pile after yeah. we were done. He didn't want us to be. He clearly could see by the look of us that we shouldn't be riding anyone's bikes. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Nonetheless, I think it was a good show. Um, I had a really good time. I'm yeah, glad I you came this year. Same here. It was, was really fun was to walk around. It was really fun to hang out. Uh, it was cool to see how nitpicky you are. <laughs> I won't show you any of my builds. Okay, good. Because um, I don't want to hear it. But uh, <laughs> oh, It's your build, so I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> oh, okay, at least you know. <laughs> but uh, no, it was a good show. A lot of good customs. I'm stoked for next year already. So originally, I don't know if you knew all this history, but... Um, Originally, Thor, the owner of CC Motors, um, who puts on the one show, had said that it was going to be a 10-year run. So 10 years ago, he kind of, and I don't know if it was 10 years ago or how far along, that he said, I'm only doing this for 10 years. But this year was a big year. It was their 10th year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, this should have been the end of it, but there was no indication of that. And with big sponsors like Indian clearly paying a pretty penny and putting all in on bringing displays like they had, I'm excited because it looks like it's still going to go. Yeah. And I'm very stoked for that. I'm excited for next year. I'm excited to see what this turns into. Um, I hope yeah, it doesn't turn factory. into something too corporate. Yeah. It's a great facility. Yeah, Pickle Factory is pretty cool. It's awesome inside. I'd say parking yep. would be my only complaint. That's fair. But. And there are other cool facilities throughout Portland and, and in the area that could be used. But uh, that would be my biggest fear. Is, mm-hmm. I don't know, biggest fear in the world. But biggest fear to this conversation it would be that you know it ever becomes something corporate at the expo center given it's not that kind of show yeah it's far too far too hot roddy and rat i should say rat rod oh the venue made it i mean it went along i mean you're you're walking around and there's rebar showing through the walls and concrete that's all been uh crumbling apart and it's nice and clean on the inside but it just kind of added to the feel the, the the ambience of the of the event Perfect, man. I yeah, I look forward to next year. We'll have to uh, hit it again and see if we can get a few more interviews, get some better conversations next year. I know we're yeah. just starting this. Yeah. Thanks to anybody that's listening. is the largest community of motorcycle sharing enthusiasts who have over 1,100 motorcycles on the site today, nationwide, uh, to, to available to rent in, in most cities. Um, and the pricing is set by the owner. And the renters go on the site, look at 
bikes they might want to ride and the owners would then facilitate an exchange. Our site makes it really easy to do that, right? You have a profile of the bike, you can see exactly what the specs of the bike are, history, mileage, etc. Maybe be customized, lowered, etc. And uh, and then we facilitate the transaction, make it really easy to okay. give you money for the listing, and then make it easy for the renter to find a bike that they need. Right, right. And then do you guys suggest routes or other things as well? Well, that's what, that's the great part about it being a community. So the owner is probably going to say, "Hey, listen, I know you're renting the bike in Dallas, Texas. Do you know the roads around here? I might be able to suggest nice you to take this route, right? Because I've done it 16 times or whatever. So if you're not familiar with that area. That's awesome. How's, how's you guys' growth? growth? Three times growth in the past years. That means we've had three times more motorcycles listed on the site. We have 25,000 visitors per month coming to the site interested in okay. growth. So really, we're totally excited about where we're at. The company's only been around since October 2017. So it's still fairly new, right? Yeah. Where do you see most of your customers? Is it new riders? Is it people that want to try a new bike? No, believe it or not, most of our, our riders and our owners own multiple motorcycles. They just want to either make some revenue off a bike that's just sitting there, sure, or they are interested in riding a bike just like yourself that they've never ridden before. Right? Okay. So they're pretty experienced motorcycle riders. I wouldn't say they're all, you know, multiple years of experience, but in the profile, if you're a listing owner, you're going to get a profile of that renter and see like they've ridden for five years. This is a motorcycle they've owned, etc. And every single renter has a valid motorcycle endorsement on their license. We do validate that. Um, they have an active motorcycle insurance policy. Okay. So you're not renting to a quote sure. newbie. Sure. So the liability for the rider as well as the person that has the bike. I mean, how does that work out? So the liability would be on the renter. Okay. Um, so if damage is done, you know, either if it's small damage, you might just say, hey, to the owner, uh, I scratched this one little part. Just want to point it out to you. They may say, hey, don't worry about it. No big deal. It may be like, hey, this is what it cost me to repair it. You pay them directly, or we can facilitate that. Well. So we can be an intermediary, sure. You know, and help them out. We do have a supplemental policy in case if something happens. It's great, and it's not covered by either party's insurance. We do have a, an extra policy for that. Awesome. Has that worked out pretty good, pretty smoothly? In, in, in the times that there's an incident, we have worked it out generally within one week, and, and it's worked out favorably for both parties. Sure. You know. Um, you know, again, you're renting someone's bike, and you know it's just like renting a car from uh, you know, a service. You're going to have some level of liability. Yeah. Whether that be on your insurance or on your, your own person. Awesome. That's good. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Ninety-seven percent five-star ratings right now, That's and very we have good. a rating system for the owner, the renter, and the bike itself. Oh, awesome. Okay. Awesome. Is there anything man. else you want to throw out just just because you're in the Portland area? Do Twisted Road as uh, you know over a dozen uh, bikes in the Portland area. If you're interested in riding a new bike or riding a new road, um, check it out twistedroad.com. And uh, there's a code for the show. It's called K E A five A. If you enter that code online, you get a $25 discount on your first ride. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Slacker Moto Radio. If you've liked what you've heard, please share, subscribe, or comment. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, ride on.